In this episode of Comments Over Coffee, we're talking about focusing on one type of content versus variety content, and if YouTube gets easier as your channel grows. So grab your cup tumbler mug, because we're starting right now. Welcome to Comments Over Coffee, where you'll learn how to get better at YouTube and online video over a cup of coffee. Pour a cup for your host, Nick Nimmin. If this is your first time here, I want to let you know that these comments are pulled from my YouTube channel, other YouTube communities online, or from the submission form on the Comments Over Coffee website. So if you have a question about what you're doing on YouTube, you can submit yours at commentsovercoffee.com. And real quick, before we get into the comment, I want to let you know that I found a comment on my YouTube channel from Tiffany's Bunny Gang, and they left a comment saying that they just got their first brand deal, and they talked about how excited she was, and I wanted to congratulate her on that. And I wanted to say that Tiffany, if you do listen to the podcast, you are at the very tip of the iceberg and I can assure you it gets even better. So keep going, keep doing whatever it is that you are doing to get those results on YouTube because it just keeps getting more and more awesome as you go along. So our very first question is from Ben K and he's from the YouTube channel Conjuring Rock. And Ben K says, I have an outdoor channel where we camp fish and sometimes we go whitewater canoeing. My question is in regards to the niche content. Although fishing and camping seem to go hand in hand, I'm thinking that I might lose some potential subscribers. Some people who enjoy camping disagree with fishing. Should I try and start a separate channel and keep the two activities separate? My concern with doing that is I'll be spreading myself thin and I won't be able to make enough content to have consistent video releases on each channel. What would be your suggestion? So my suggestion for that, Ben K, and thanks for the comment, by the way, would be to still keep doing fishing and camping. So, of course, you are going to have a little bit of division there in terms of some people that are not into fishing because of whatever reason, if they think that it's you know mean to do the fish or whatever it happens to be. But in your particular case, if you are a fisher, obviously you support you know fishing, right? It's something you enjoy doing. And I agree with you that people that are into camping are often into fishing as well because that can be a part of camping depending on you know what it is that you're into. So because of that, I would actually just keep doing what it is that you're doing. Of course, some people are going to not dig the fact that you fish and some people won't click on that fishing content. However, if you're growing your channel and you are identifying with the people that do, those people will keep coming back in and watching your content. Now, typically, I will say that if you are putting out content and you have a specific type of channel offering a specific thing that you don't want to vary from that. But in your specific case, I think that you're still majorly in alignment with a particular type of person that would be watching your content. Now, if you started doing auto repair on your channel, I would tell you something completely different because if you were to do auto repair, when your videos went out and those notifications went out, people are going to be less likely to click that because that is not in alignment with fishing or camping, right? Of course, there's going to be some crossover in that. But in terms of making your entire channel a resource, there's a really good chance that a lot of people that come in for camping, that they're also going to find value in the fishing content. And in addition to that, it's also going to help you be able to continue to make content, right? So if you are going to limit the type of content, and it's going to put you in a situation to where it's going to kind of thin your content out and thin out your ability to come up with some cool ideas for what it is that you're doing, In my opinion, I think that definitely without question, you should keep those two together, but stay within that outdoorsy thing. You know, that's what I would recommend is that you stay within the outdoorsy thing in terms of like camping, fishing, that whole thing, because it's still in alignment 
with the interest that that type of person would have. So I think that you're fine. I think that you're okay. You know, one of the things, and I'll actually, I'll talk about this really quick too. One of the things that's really important when you are on YouTube and you're trying to, you know, grow your community, so to speak, is drawing lines in the sand. You know, it's really important. Like in your case, if you support fishing, well, clearly you're drawing that line in the sand that says, you know what, you might like my camping content, but you might not watch my fishing content, which is cool. That's fine. My channel is for people that are into camping and people that are into fishing, right? Embrace those people. And then for the people that are into camping and not into fishing, they can go watch something else, right? You don't have to make your content for everybody. You know, a great example of this is if you look at, you know, Apple and Android, right? It's like you are on this side of the fence and we don't care, right? If Apple says, hey, if you like Android, go like Android. We don't care. We don't care if you buy our products. And then Android, all of the Android, you know, based phones, they're like, hey, if you're into Apple, that's fine. Go buy Apple. We're going to compete with ourselves over here in the Android market, right? So basically by drawing that line in the sand, you are basically helping to create a deeper connection with the people that are into the same exact things that you are, which then helps you relate more to your community. That's actually a deeper side of branding when it comes to making content, when it comes to this sort of thing is drawing that line in the sand so that you can basically create that core group of people that are into similar things that you are. So in my personal opinion, I would definitely keep doing fishing and camping just for the sake of, you know, gathering that group of people that are into the same thing that you are. And with that, it's also really close in alignment in terms of, you know, people that are into camping. There's a lot of those people that are into fishing as well. So there's a good crossover there, in my opinion. So before we get into the next comment, a quick word from our sponsor. TubaTools.com has professionally designed thumbnail templates, graphics that remind your viewers to subscribe to your channel, end screen graphics, channel art, motion transitions, and more to help you level up your presence on YouTube. Save 20% on your membership by going to TubaTools.com forward slash coffee or using the promo code coffee if you make a purchase from our store. Get everything you need for your YouTube channel at TubaTools.com. Our second question is from Garden Amity. Garden Amity says, the first 100 subs were very hard to get. I wonder if after you reach 1,000, it becomes difficult again. So here's how this whole thing works. A lot of people think that, hey, once you get 100 subscribers, then YouTube starts promoting you more. Or once you get 1,000 subscribers, YouTube starts promoting you more. But it doesn't necessarily work that way. The way that it works is basically it scales And as it scales, you have more people coming into the videos that you publish initially, which helps give YouTube more data to let YouTube know who to show your content to and to how those videos perform. So let's say, for example, you have 100 subscribers. And in my case right now, at the time of this recording, I have a little over 450,000. So if you make a video talking about some YouTube tool, and then I make a video talking about some YouTube tool or some YouTube tip, and we make the same video then what's going to happen is right out of the gate. I'm going to rank on Google for that. I'm going to rank in YouTube for that. YouTube is going to automatically start sending those notifications out to a bunch of the people that like my content. They're going to start sending notifications out and putting me on home pages even of people that are likely to watch my content because they've watched content like mine on another channel that makes content like mine. They're going to start putting me next to videos that are somehow related to the video that I made on the videos for the people that are watching that particular video that are possibly into my type of content. 
But basically what's going to happen is they're going to start distributing my content all over the platform because as soon as I hit publish, what happens is as those notifications start going out, as people that are, you know, watching my channel and hit my channel page and all of that, like as all of that is happening, massive amounts of data just start getting poured into my channel. Okay. You at a hundred subscribers, when you publish a video, you might get, you know, five views in the first hour. You might get a thousand views in the first hour. You might get none. Okay. So in that first hour, I have, you know, a thousand, 2000 views, 3000 views, depending on the performance of the video you have between zero and let's say a hundred views or 500 views or even a thousand views. Right. So most likely if you're at a hundred subscribers, you're probably going to get a hundred, 200 views, maybe in that first hour, if you have like a high performing video. But basically the idea that I'm trying to express here is that the amount of data that I'm able to give YouTube when I publish a video based on all of those people that start pouring into my content as soon as I publish, all of that data basically tells the algorithm, this is a good video or this is a bad video. And because of that, it starts putting my content everywhere based on how people are responding to it, which people respond to it is also important. So at 100 subscribers, when they first do that initial sample of people to see how they respond to your content, you just can't give it as much data. Now, where this comes in to be really interesting is I might win right out of the gate, right? So as soon as I publish my video, you know, I might have all that data flooding into YouTube that says this is a good video or not a good video, or this video is right for this type of viewer, where yours, it might take some time for you to accumulate some data. You know, it might take some time for you to get the same amount of data on your video that I got in the first hour. It might take you, you know, weeks or a month to do. Or you might be able to do it, you know, over the course of a day or two days or whatever. But what I'm saying is, even though I got that initial push and a lot of people came in and they responded to my video, based on how they respond is going to dictate if I still keep getting that traction or not. If people are not responding to mine, then that video is gonna gonna die a quick death just like any other video would. And in your particular case, let's say we're both going for the same term in search. If you have 100 subscribers and I have 450,000, that doesn't mean that I'm gonna own that place in search. That just means I'm accumulating data faster. Now, if your video is a high-performing video, but you only have 100 subscribers, you can knock me right out of the search results. If you're getting a higher click-through rate in your thumbnails, you're getting more watch time, you're getting you know, a lot more engagement, people are sharing your stuff more, they're adding it to playlists and all of the other factors that YouTube finds important. If all of that is happening more on your videos when they're showing it to people, then technically, even though you only have 100 subscribers, you can actually come from behind and end up surpassing me in the total views that accumulate on that particular video. So it's not that it becomes less difficult as you get bigger. It's just that as long as you're making the right content decisions and as long as you are serving a particular audience or a particular ideal viewer, then what happens in that situation is you're just able to push data a lot faster than when you are a small channel. So it's not that it necessarily gets easier in terms of YouTube promoting you more because YouTube just does that for larger channels. It's more that, YouTube promotes you because you can actually push more data. And in terms of, you know, long term, technically you have just as much of a chance on YouTube as I do outside of the fact that I've been making videos for a long time and I know how to get that response and all that stuff to where if you're brand new to YouTube, you might know, not know how to do that yet. But I also want to bring to your attention that people will also say that, hey, a, a small YouTube channel, you know, YouTube holds them down. They don't get the traction. Well, if you have a high response video or you're able to start sending some initial traffic to that video, 
then it can get a lot more views. So for example, the uh, Van Life girl that made the video, her video, she made one of them and it got over a million views. She got over a million subscribers on her channel over the course of like a week or something crazy like that. It was her very first video. As I'm recording this, within the last few days, there was a grandma that put out videos of her cooking and hers over the course of just a few days, I believe, or maybe a month it was, she's almost at a million subscribers now. And that's because people are just really liking her stuff for whatever reason. Now, I'm not sure with any of these, if there's, you know, any other stuff behind them or not, but the fact that they're able to get some data and, and YouTube sees that they're a high performing video helps those videos perform better, even though they started out with zero subscribers. And then now within a very short time, they have 500,000, a million subscribers on their channel, a million plus, because the content that they're putting out is high response. So when you are making your content, this is why quality is so important. When you're making your content for YouTube, it's so important to make sure that you know who it is that you're making your content for so that you can make your content in the right way for people to respond to it. It's also really important that you make sure that you spend some time learning how to edit better, learning how to present better, learning how to do voiceovers better, learning how to make graphics better, learning how to animate better, whatever type of content that you make. It's really important that you spend that time learning how to do it all better so that you can create a better experience for the viewers. And the more you create a better experience for the viewers, the more YouTube will promote it because the viewers are going to respond. If the viewers respond to it, then YouTube's going to respond to it. So just keep that in mind when you're making your content and when you're putting everything together. If you haven't yet, I would like to encourage you to leave a written review on your podcast platform of choice, the one that you're listening to this on. Um, it really helps me get in front of more people because when they see that activity, then they can you know, show it to more people and whatnot. So if you have just a quick second, I would really appreciate if you would leave a written review on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Outside of that, I hope you learned something today. Thank you for having a coffee with me. Get show notes, resources, and more over at commentsovercoffee.com or grab yourself a refill and listen to another episode. 